please do me a small favor and pronounce your name correctly for me. Nina Oskarsdottir. Lovely. Now, we're in your studio here in Reykjavik. Mm-hmm. Am I saying Reykjavik correctly? I suddenly realize I'm... Pretty much. It's Reykjavik. Reykjavik. Mm-hmm. Now, what's the Vik mean? Is Because I seen other cities that have the Vik at the end. Yeah. Oh, no, you're testing my English. Um, it's like um, uh, cove or... Uh, yeah, like not a peninsula, but... Okay, cove. Cove, okay. yeah. yeah. Cove works. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, that yeah, makes yeah, total yeah. sense. Yeah. No, sorry. Like, I think usually people talk about Reykjavik as smoky bay. A bay, then. Okay, yeah, yeah, a that bay. Ma- okay, yeah. totally makes sense. I understand yeah. now. Yeah, because the, the, the other cities that I've been in all had some sort of like inland sort of protected area. That yeah. totally makes sense. Okay, great. Lovely. So I always want to know how people sort of got started. So were your parents creative? Was there some schooling? So what brought you into the, the creative industries in the first place? Yeah, my parents are creative. My dad is a poet. So he kind of maybe was the most kind of creative in my upbringing. And my mom works in literature. So they've both been working with like books and literature. Yeah. So, I mean, culture was such a huge part of my upbringing, you know, but it was mostly through literature, but everything else was, they love the theater and they love classical music and they kind of these, you know, these kind of higher kind of arts, you know, and culture was very much a part of my upbringing. Sure, the snobby fine art stuff. It sounds like that, but they were like really, they're really not like the kind of snobby types. They were both like very kind of rebellious hippies when they were younger and like, you I know. Am, but <laughs> I am the last to judge. My parents yeah. used to take me to like the opera when I was in elementary school. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like I had a little baby tuxedo and the whole crap. So like, yeah, yeah I'm the last person to judge other people about yeah. snobbiness like that. Yeah, but yeah. it does always sound snobby it when you're like. It sounds like that, but yeah. it's not like, it's not like they were like, you know, this kind of wealthy family that was consuming this like higher forms of art you know all the time you know the culture is just something that was always in such high regard and like we respect it we were brought up to kind of respect culture and the arts and then i have my sisters who most of them have gone to study science related fields so you know but like um those uh, damn rebels yeah i know (laughs) going against the family tradition Yeah, yeah but i was always creative growing up, I think, like, it was always just kind of a sure deal for me that I would do something creative. I didn't know what contemporary art was when I was growing up. I think like, I didn't go that much like with my parents to kind of contemporary art shows. So like contemporary art was something I didn't discover until I was a lot older. Well, just to be clear, where were you born and raised? So just here in Reykjavik. Okay. So I don't know how many people are born and raised because like, I live in Prague and mm-hmm. almost nobody that I know there is born and raised in Prague. They all live somewhere else, moved to Prague or, yeah. you know, north of the Czech Republic and moved to Prague. Very few people are actually like born and raised. So is it common that people are born sort of and raised in the, the largest city here? Yes, very <laughs> common. <laughs> I don't want to mispronounce it again. Now I'm no, self-conscious okay. about Reyk- Reykjavik. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, close. Yeah, okay, good. Very good. I'm horrible with languages, mm-hmm. so yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it is very common that most Icelanders are living in Reykjavik, and so most people ninety percent live here, right? I don't know if it's ninety percent, but it's it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, so most people are just 
from, I mean, I think most people who live in Reykjavik are from Reykjavik, but not everyone, of course. Then you chose to go to art school, but you left Iceland for some of your art school training and then sort of came back. Is that correct? You could say that, but I did all of my kind of university education in the fine arts I did in Iceland. Okay. Because I wasn't sure if I wanted to do arts at first. So I went into fashion. And <laughs> why is that funny? <laughs> um, that's like even more difficult to me. Like there's that that's a yeah, I would not have said like fashion would be a fallback. No, I think it's because like, you know, I've always been so interested in crafts and textiles and you know which is uh, of course this tradition you know we have here and like and that does not come from my parents because my mom hated crafts and hates doing anything like that like knitting and stuff like that but i was always like super fascinated with it and i was always just good at it as a child so i guess it was something that i felt okay i can do this quite easily i'm good at this so this is something i want to pursue and so it kind of just made sense that the outlet for that would be fashion design. I was sewing my own clothes since I was 12 and like stuff like that. So it was kind of like, okay, I should do fashion. And then of course I started studying fashion uh, and then I went abroad and then I just realized this isn't really the creative kind of thing that I thought it was going to be. It's much more about marketing. And then I just left and then I went into fine arts because I was like, okay, this is not about marketing. Is it in the not like, about marketing? Not, not the essence. The essence of making art is not marketing, but of course, well, you the know, essence of as you get older, you realize more and more. Either, but. No, but it was like, it was such a strong part of the, at least the school that I went to, like the, the part, the, such a big part of the education was like, how are you going to market yourself? Yeah, branding and style and 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 uh, and I was just like, okay, I'm not into that. <laughs> it is. A th it, it's a whole thing. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, it's even like being a what a, so a social influencer. Like, it's like it's a whole brand and marketing and stuff like this. Yeah, and like a lot of us, myself included, like I got into the arts because I did not want to participate in that kind of like lifestyle. Mm -hmm. But yet some of it has crept back into our worlds. And yeah. so like we have to do some of that. Like when I started, you know, so like I graduated in 2001 from my master's degree and there was no such thing as social media and all that. So like since my graduation, that even just became a thing. Yeah. And so it's now like you kind of have to have those presences, yeah. whether you like it or not. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Which I don't like. You have to think about it at least and be kind of aware of it and how you want to approach that. Like how much branding do you want to do for yourself? And I mean, <laughs> the more you do, I think the more, like the higher chance of, of some kind of success you can have, you know? Okay. Have you had any of those successes? Sure. I think so. I mean, I'm, I, I mean, yeah. I've had a number of sales through Instagram and stuff like this. Like I'm not, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but I just feel like, there's a huge amount of time, effort, and thought having to be put into it with a lot less return than I think like the the idea of social media and utilizing it for a branding thing. Like that those people are like selling from their e-shops, you know, and like they you know, they're selling a product that's easily sellable and is great for them, you know, clothing companies, sunglass companies, whatever. They're, they're yeah. easy to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Arts is a much more difficult marketing 
thing. Yeah, but it's also just about, you know, you can get a broader audience, you know? People can discover you as an artist that would never have the chance to do so otherwise. Sure. And I mean, I follow a lot of artists just through Instagram that I, I, ha- I haven't maybe seen the work or I haven't met the artists, but I know their work and it really fascinates me. And it's because like, I've been able to approach it through Instagram. You know. It has connected us in a way yeah. more so. And, it, you know, there's always the positives and the negatives for all of that because now we're all influenced by each other. And so to a certain extent, some things are becoming more homogenized mm-hmm. because there's no not as much of a, oh, well, that's definitely South American or that's mm-hmm. distinctly from this region because people are influenced by a lot more places and a lot more regions. And so yeah. like it's in some ways it's great and in mm-hmm. some ways it sort of you lose some cultural kind of specificity in some ways <laughs> yeah i guess so everything's got pros and cons so yeah. like i'm not sitting here it's like bashing social media but boy it does i feel like it's a time suck is what mm-hmm. it is like i spend i feel like i spend yeah. way too much time and energy and thought and planning for not enough of a return yeah no maybe not i mean i think i think you just can't you can't expect like to do an Instagram post and get like 200 followers just from that. I mean, <laughs> I have never had that ever happen. No, no. that's what I'm saying. That's yeah, not no, going to th- happen. That is, I have no <laughs> expectations of that because it has never happened. Yeah. But I want to get back to another topic that we, we were talking about prior to starting this recording, which mm-hmm. is about the difference of like craft versus fine arts mm-hmm. and gender specific issues within this. So like, why don't you start me off on, on your positions on all these kinds of things? Yeah, maybe I should just start by saying, because I don't think we have mentioned that now I'm working majorly with, with ceramics and yeah. clay. By the way, what kind of artist are you? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that's what I'm doing. And like, um, and just always been a very kind of craft oriented person, I guess. And like, and then you go to art school and you kind of discover conceptual art and all of these things. And I think now kind of if you're working in the arts today, like everything you do is always conceptual. You know, I don't, you know, it's like there's some part of it that just is, you know, whether you're a painter or a sculptor or you're working with, you know, ma- you materials. Hope it is. You hope there's a good concept. I've I mean, the, I mean, it doesn't have to be that- a good concept. It just is a concept. I mean, it's not the question of. I don't see it as a, as a, like I. I'm not in any position to to judge whether any art is good or bad. You know. We all are in that position. Yeah, I don't. I disagree. <laughs> and that's fine. Yeah. We, I mean, but it's well, we we each have our right to judgment, but that doesn't make sure. our judgment right. Yeah, that exactly. So. I mean, of course. So I mean, I can't say like this is a bad concept. This is a good concept. I can maybe say I don't relate to this. I relate to this more. I mean, this is something that I think is good, but like it doesn't mean it's a bad or good concept. But like, yeah, if you're working in the arts today, like. Of course, there's a conceptual element to your work. Can you hope there's a conceptual element? To yeah, work? I mean, if not, it's not, not, if there isn't a conceptual element, then you're talking about more like craft, for example, or decorative art, you know? And I think that's just a different field, you know? It is. But they do interlap. Well, I have this theory that uh, basically like a craft can be, uh, I actually have these whole definitions I could tell you later, but I have this thing that a craft can be elevated to an art form through a strength of concept. Yeah, exactly. You know, so like yeah. if somebody makes a, an amazing, I always use a rocking chair because I know this guy who used to make these 
amazing rocking chairs. Now, it's totally just a woodcraft to build a rocking chair, but he made the most amazing, comfortable, aesthetically beautiful rocking chairs I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. That elevated it to, I would call it, a piece mm -hmm. of art. Yeah, yeah. And that's a not always accepted. Like, not everybody agrees with my definition. No, and I mean, of course, not everyone has to agree on, on you know, what things are. You know, and like I think we have maybe a tendency to kind of want to like uh, label everything, and want we want to be able to understand everything through like putting labels on it and categorizing it, and it just makes it kind of easier. And and we can decide, okay, I'm you know I'm into this category of art, and I'm not into this category, or you know, however you kind of put it. But like, yeah, that's what we that's what we do. As humans, we do yeah, that. Yeah, we though. do that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But I'm like, because I, yeah, I've been working so much with, I guess, you know, craft, just working with material and techniques, and that maybe are maybe often related to domestic art, like textiles, ceramics. I mean, these are like materially things that you would just find in the domestic space, you know? Domestic space and often done by women. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Because I love this whole sexist comments about the arts because mm -hmm. it is, the arts is very sex. I mean, hell, every industry is a bit sexist. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, equal pay and all the other kinds of issues that are in pretty much every industry. Yeah. But there's also that added element of like even choice of materials can yeah. become a, like a, mm -hmm. a, a, a sexist pigeonhole in some yeah. ways. Like if you just choose to work with fabric, oh, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a woman's thing. Exactly. You know, like, yeah. Like, and, and that's just You get, you get accepted to like women's shows and <laughs> all of this, you know, like, which is like, I, you know, I don't think that's the best way to go about it, you know? But yeah, you get this label, especially as a woman, you know, you get this label as, oh, she's just doing crafts. Oh, she's giving up on art. She's just going to do, you know, ceramics for the rest of her lives, you know, like, you know, which is, of course, very silly. <laughs> doing craft, doing ceramics is giving up on art. <laughs> yeah, I sometimes get the feeling that people have this kind of point of view. And um, I hope not. When you start to specialize with some kind of material, like I've done with clay and ceramics, you get to know a much broader a group of people, like locally, who are working with the same technique. And not everyone is putting themselves in the category of being an artist. Some people are just craftsmen or women or craftspeople. You know, <laughs> craftspeople. Yeah. I mean, and that's that's just you know, you just get this feeling that uh, especially women who are dedicated to this medium are not artists and are not considered artists. And not everyone should be considered artists, I think, also. I mean, but I don't know. It's so complicated. I don't know what I'm well, saying. It, well, it, it's not just complicated, but it's also sort of like cultural, it's regional, it's things like this. Because like, there are certain parts of the world where women, that let, let's specifically keep it, like women that work in clay, like kind of thing, like they're highly regarded. I can think of a couple regions in the world where they're like the top of the world, but not necessarily here. So that's uh, yeah. the interesting balance. Is I mean, the like thing is like, it, it depends where you're coming from so much, you know, because if you're coming from like the kind of contemporary art scene, mm -hmm. then I think people really, you know, there is this existing hierarchy. If you're doing conceptual art, it, ranks higher 
than if you're doing ceramics art, you know, and that's just kind of the way it is. Well, see, that's an interesting different differentiation, the conceptual versus ceramic, because one to me, conceptual is a, a sort of a, a way of working versus ceramics is just a medium. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So like, th to of me, they're, course. they're and, not and you, that you different. Can, you can, of course. But they are very uh, different, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're very they're different. Very different. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, I mean, because like somebody could be a conceptual photographer or mm -hmm. they could be a conceptual painter or a conceptual printmaker. Like there are many different mediums that you could yes. work in. So yes. conceptual, but mm -hmm. like, it, it's really difficult because, you know, when it comes down to it, it's like, how do you know when you're doing the right thing so that people will accept it beyond the scope of like the medium itself yeah i mean you know? i think like what you said like you can be a conceptual artist who's working with photography or a conceptual artist who's working with painting but these like photography and and painting are you you think of it as kind of this male dominant kind of fields you know whereas ceramics and textiles for example are female dominated. So that's where we really get into the sexism of it. So it's more difficult for women to break through as conceptual ceramic artists than it would be for a man to break through as a conceptual ceramic artist. It's fair. I mean, okay, what, can you give me some specific um, sort of effects, let's say, that you have felt in your career from this sort of sexist position? I mean, like opportunities that have not been available to you, things like this kind of thing. Are there any sort of tangible things that you know fall under that? It's hard to say because, of course, you don't know. Yeah, I know. You know Nobody's you don't, ever going to say, know. you didn't get this grant because you're a woman. No, exactly. And you don't know, like, would someone have offered me an opportunity if I was a man doing the same things? I don't know. I have had opportunities. I'm not saying, you know, I've had plenty of, of wonderful opportunities, you know, so... So it's not like it's not working or anything, you know, but but um, I'm, just, I'm looking for to try and find out, like, are there sort of specific things that happen in this region? It's like, because I know there's there's like the the what is it, the artist salary thing here? Is that is that here in yeah, Iceland? Yeah. Yeah. Is that something that like you're applying for and things like this? Yeah. Yeah. Does it I work? Mean, How does it work? I don't I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, not for me. OK. But <laughs> Okay. Not so far, but, but it you know, exists. but it, yeah, 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 it exists. And I would not go so far as saying like, oh, I, I didn't get the artist salary because I'm a woman working with ceramics. You know, I, I don't think that would be fair. Could be just because you're a ceramicist though. No, I don't think so. Mm, no, because that also comes down to definition. I mean, if you would look at my work on paper, you know, you wouldn't say, oh, she's a ceramic artist. You would just say, oh, she's an artist. Looking at your website on first glance, I would have said you were a highly conceptual artist. Mm -hmm. Looking farther into you via Google search, okay, I would have then said you were more currently a ceramic ceramics artist. Yeah, but yeah, your website is very very conceptually designed. Mm -hmm. But then when I started doing searches on other people's websites where your work was for sale or on exhibition. Then I was like, oh, okay, so you, you frequently mm. work in this medium. Yeah, I mean, I do majorly work in ceramics now. Okay. Yeah. I suddenly just thought of like, wait, you work in ceramics and you live on an island. How annoying is shipping everything? 
Yeah, it's uh, it's tricky. I mean, um, and expensive. Yeah, I mean, I haven't had to ship a lot of works abroad uh, yet. Yet, but I don't. I don't really know how to do it. To be honest, like I wouldn't know how to like package it properly so it wouldn't break. <laughs> if I've if I've had to like travel with my work, I usually just take it on the carry on in an airplane. You know, that's the only way I know how to do it safely. Okay. I'm not not a ceramic artist. I believe you. Yeah. But I I mean, there must be a way. I just, I just haven't. Oh yeah. uh, No, there are shipping companies that do (laughs) this professionally, but like, yeah, I imagine it's very expensive. Yeah. Yes, they are. I've, yes, I've dealt with them many times. Mm -hmm. They're very expensive, but they do a good job. That's why they are the professionals at this thing. Yeah. So, Something I always am interested in because, okay, keep in mind, I was raised and taught in the United States. I've lived in the Middle East and I've now live in Prague. And now I'm here and visiting Iceland, which is probably the most isolated, let's say, just geographically of all the places I've, I've visited regarding the arts. I always wonder, like, is the drive to be internationally known? Is that what you're the, what you're working for, or is it big fish, little pond? Like you just you just really want to make the best in Iceland. Like it, so, is that world exposure of importance to you or not? It is, yeah, of course. I mean, you always think, of course, how how amazing would it be to be kind of internationally successful? But it's not something that I've put a lot of focus on. I think my focus is always more internal. I just want to explore my work the best way I can and kind of build up a practice that I find interesting and that will keep me passionate in what I'm doing. And I think maybe, you know, through that, of course, you you always think, of course, uh, it would be great to be internationally recognized. My life goal is a retrospective at MoMA while I'm still alive <laughs> yeah. in New York. Yeah. I'll take the Guggenheim. It's my second choice. While I'm still alive, though, that's the kicker. Yeah. 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 I would I would be up for that too. Sure. Of course. But but yeah, but I feel like I feel like I'm still building up just my space in the Icelandic art scene, you know? I guess that's a kind of bigger drive at the moment, you know? I would I would like to be better recognized locally first. It's smart. I've learned through my own mistakes that the best way to do something like that actually is build your own community. And then that basically as you stay in one place and you build that community, it will sort of branch out on its own. Yeah. But if you try to sort of jump around and be like, oh, I want to exhibit in Germany and America and Japan and all that, it's not building anything because it's just these random little tentacles that'll sort of die out over time. I think so like, it, that's one of the things that like a lot of young artists don't understand is that like being in the arts is a marathon and mm-hmm. like a lifelong marathon. Yeah. You know, there are people you will meet when you're like 18, 20 years old, that relationship will not fulfill itself for whatever professional reason until you're 40 or 50. Mm-hmm. And it just takes that long. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no shortcuts. Everybody thinks there are shortcuts, but there aren't. No, Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm really, I'm also just, I mean, I have lived abroad and I have traveled and at the moment I'm very excited to stay in Iceland. I mean, I want that to kind of be my base and who knows what the future brings, but like, if I'm going to be based here, I should 
just, you know, be focused on working here, I guess. And then, yeah, I mean, it's a great place to work. I've enjoyed my time here. I have no complaints. But yeah. now, okay, so when it comes to the medium itself, I picture in my mind as a stupid foreigner, so feel free to, you know, mock me about this. <laughs> but I feel like there's probably some distinct Icelandic clay there is. Yeah. There is. Yeah, there is. There is. And there is a kind of, I guess, in the 60s, 70s, I mean, even back to the 50s, there were kind of the first Icelandic ceramic workshops were set up. And the artists there were working majorly with Icelandic clay and Icelandic minerals and learning how to utilize those. But I haven't, I have like dipped my toe into that world, I guess, with working with local materials. But it's just so much work to go and dig up the clay. I mean, you have to kind of, I mean, it's, you can't just buy it, you know. So like everything you have to source yourself from nature, which is so fascinating. I was um, going to say, wait a minute. I have not seen an art supply store since I've been here. Art no. <laughs> There are none. No. Oh, okay. That's <laughs> what I'm kidding. like. Wait, no. do you like literally have to like go out and dig up your own clay? Like, cause there's no, I have not seen any art supply stores. Well, there's, there's not so many, but the, I mean, of course there are some art supply stores, but they're also not in the like city center. They're sure. kind of more sprawled out into the industrial areas. So you have totally to, normal. you have to go for trips, you know, to buy your supplies, but no, you can't buy any Icelandic materials. I think both because like, maybe there's not that much of it like there's not an endless supply of course but then also it's just so much work and like you someone would really have to set up a company just to process the materials to make them ready to be kind of like what you buy store bought i mean the, the clay that i buy is from germany and i just get it in a bag and it's just ready it's like soft and it's perfect and i don't really have to do anything to it so i can go straight to work and that's what i like to do you know, so I don't really want to have like maybe half my time just preparing the materials when I can just get them ready. Totally makes sense. I'm looking here in your studio and I see a piece that actually the clay has the same color as a hot spring that I saw mm. with, and the color of the sort of the clay dirt mud that was around the hot spring. And I'm sort of like, is there a local like distinct color clay kind of thing that has sort of certain properties that are here? And you've answered that, which is yes, they are, but you have to do it yourself. There's, yeah, you have to do no, it yourself. And there's no clay industry. No, there's no clay industry in, in Iceland. I would, there should it, it, be. It, would, it would be amazing if there would be, because then I would love to work with a yeah. local clay. I mean, that's because when you start to work with ceramics, you also get like my experience, you get like such a nerd about it, you know? So you start thinking about all the materials, you start, start thinking about the chemistry, you start thinking about the history, like anything like the cultural connections, like archaeology, you know, you're just like anthropology, you're just going through everything because the material is so old in human history. And like, I mean, also just geographically, I mean, it's like, so there's so many things to look into that are so exciting. You become passionate about every single one of them. I think if you really get into the working with the material. Um, Glazes then, and slips are my fetish. Yeah, I mean, just the study of glaze alone is like you, you, you could just spend your whole time just doing that, you know? So it's kind of like, I, I feel like you have to like kind of pick and choose. Like what's the most important aspect of your practice? For me, it's not sourcing the local materials. 
you know, it's more, uh, you know, like thinking about the conceptual part of it or just the making of the pieces. I mean, it all takes so much time. So there's not time for everything, unfortunately. Have, okay, so you have chosen to be in Iceland, and because you, for all practical purposes, you could move anywhere in the world, yeah. but you choose to stay, which is great. Um, how is the the art market here? Like we can call it either exhibition opportunities and or sales and or institutions as well, because you all have a lot of great institutions as well. What role do each of those things play? How does that all fit together? Do you think it's good or the things that could be done better? Yeah, of course, there's always things that could be done better. I think the kind of art market in Iceland has changed a lot in a short time. Please elaborate. Change from what to what? We used to have like so many kind of artist-run spaces and kind of artist-run initiatives, which I feel like are slowly kind of disappearing a little bit. I don't really know why that is happening. There's never been a lot of money in the Icelandic art market, or there used to be, I guess, like almost no money. I mean, I think maybe there's starting to be a bit more money now. We have more commercial galleries in Reykjavik than there were, and that have popped up in maybe the last 10 years or something like that. And your government is amazingly supportive of the arts, as far as I'm concerned. As From an outsider's perspective, from America, looking at Iceland, your government is incredibly supportive of artists. Yeah, I mean, I think we are very lucky. You know, we have a lot of opportunities to apply for funding. And I mean, of course, it's totally different when you're just one person, like, working independently, you know. But I think the institutions which are kind of artist run or kind of national museums and and galleries, you know, obviously are funded by the government. I mean, it used to be everything was so DIY kind of, that was the feeling that you had that things would be popping up, you know, like temporary exhibition spaces. And it used to be just more of that. And now it's kind of less of that and kind of more established galleries, I guess you could say. Is that a good evolution in your opinion or... Not. I mean, I think, that, of course, there's always like pros and cons. I guess with more commercial galleries, there's more opportunities for artists to actually make a living of being an artist if you are able to kind of get in there and maybe sell some work, you know? Which your work is in the gallery at the Harpa Center, which is an incredibly beautiful place. Yeah. 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 They have a nice place. Yeah, yeah. they do. Yeah. Exactly. I know. I, w- I was just walking around it, and there they have a little gallery sort of mm-hmm. on the ground floor where there's yeah. all, it seems like all local artists yeah. uh, being sold there in their shop. Like, mm-hmm. I was just like, that's spectacular. There was a number yeah. of pieces I was sort of like, yeah. maybe I can buy some Christmas gifts. <laughs> yeah, you should. <laughs> yeah, well, I have yeah. to carry it with me home. But I mean, <laughs> yeah. And I think that's the pro. You know, the pro is, is this. There are more opportunities um, for artists to be able to get their work into places where maybe potentially someone will buy it. But there's less of these kind of grassroots kind of happenings going on. And, you know, you don't want the art scene to just be kind of commercial or influenced by the market. You you want it to be 
in essence, you want to have young people who are studying or maybe just finished their studies and they are so passionate about their art that they are doing things. And of course, there's always someone who's doing something interesting and, and exciting, but you can feel like there was more of that happening in Reykjavik. Oh yeah, I'm a child of the like 80s in Washington DC in the United States, like Fugazi and that mm -hmm. old like DIY movement and you know, all concerts, $5 and all this kind of stuff. Like, so I'm all for it. And I have the same feeling, like, but I feel like that's sort of a natural evolution of most cities. Like, yeah. they, but, it, but it doesn't mean it goes away. It just means that sometimes like it just moves to a different neighborhood, you know, like, so yeah. what used to be downtown, I hope I'm a you know, pessimistic optimist, I hope has like just moved maybe out to another warehouse district or something like that. So maybe I don't think those things ever go away, but no. they leave a certain yeah. dis, you know, neighborhood or district. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the center of, of Reykjavik used to be so much easier to get a space. It used to, you know, all of this used to be completely different. And I mean, when I was studying my BA, we had our student gallery right in the center of town. You know, we could put up exhibitions anytime we wanted and like, you know, but then of course that's not the case anymore. Developers. You know? Yeah. They've built hotels. They've, you know, <laughs> like lovely that, hotels, you know? no knock on you the know? hotels, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. It has, I mean, I've never been here before. So like, I can't say anything to the character of what it was, but I mm -hmm. could picture what it used to be definitely before some of the developers got a hold of some of these properties, because yeah. there's some great old historical areas and buildings and things like this that look like they've been lost through some of the new developments. But on the other hand, there's some absolutely stunning things like, like the Harpa center. Like, I mean, yeah. it's Is it called the Harpa center? I just call no, it it's that. Just called Harpa. Harpa. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. Like it's lovely, but it's sort of a standalone jewel away from everything else, which is looks like developers are building a bunch of other stuff around it. Yeah, too. now they're building something next to it. Yeah, yeah that's sort yeah. of unfortunate, but like yeah. I, I kind of like it sort of being alone by itself like that. Sure, but like it's also like I mean the Harpa has never I think been able to support itself financially, you know. So it's it's like you know they're building this you know amazing architectural, cultural centers that then feels like, oh, you haven't really thought about the business side of it. Like, how is it going to be run? Um, and and who is going to fund it? It's a little you know? bit of a field of dreams. Like you build it, they will come kind of a process. Yeah. Unless there's, I mean, the only, the only two ways those kinds of institutions generally stay afloat is uh, government support, mm -hmm. private support. Yeah. So like some philanthropic person gives billions mm -hmm. or uh, an endowment. Like, yeah. so if any of those three things happen, then yeah, it's great. It'll happen. It'll stay all, all that. But short of those, then yeah, it's yeah. tough. Yeah. I think maybe from an outsider's perspective, everything looks amazing and, it does. and you know, it's beautiful. feels great. And, and we have uh, this flourishing cultural scene, you know, which, which of course we have, but I mean, there's so much kind of struggle underneath the surface, you know, and, and what kind of struggles do you all have? Well, just this kind of like the financial side of things and like everybody I mean, struggles with that. Yeah, yeah. But I think it looks maybe a bit more shiny, uh, you know. I would have to say, upon walking around, I appreciate how much it seems like the municipality, because it seems like it's a, a city thing, 
includes murals and sculptures and things、mm -hmm. like this throughout the pedestrian way. So,、yeah. like, there are lots. I mean, in comparison to many major other other major cities,、mm -hmm. there are lots of murals and sculptures and of varieties of things. You know, nude figures as well as conceptual geometrics and things like this. So, like, a nice variety of different stuff. And so, like, it seems, I would say, supportive. But I know from experience that just because you have a sculpture in a public setting, that does not mean you got paid for it.、Mm -hmm. And if you have a mural that you painted on a wall, that does also not mean you got paid for it. No. So while the stuff exists,、yeah. it does not necessarily translate to financial support for these people. No, no, exactly. And it's like you often get this feeling of let's give opportunities to maybe young artists who are financially struggling to do things like murals or. Whatever setting up kind of art co-ops or collectives or things like that in in areas that don't have a lot of value maybe to the market, and then you kind of get people in there and they make it amazing, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's just gentrification, I guess. You know, literally, like, yeah, that's the definition you know, of gentrification. I mean,、uh, and that happens a lot in Reykjavik.、You've, I mean, it's、happens、just like anywhere. Every city, yeah. 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 yeah, Prague's going through the same thing. Where there, there's this amazing place called a Pragovka. It's this old industrial building, massive. You、mm. know, where uh, no industrial building like they used to do. I forget what glass or something there, and they turned it into an artist studio for the past 15 years, and now all of a sudden the developers like, nope, you all are out. We're rebuilding the whole thing, and so like、yeah. this thing that had been 15 years of building its reputation and everything is being kicked out. Yeah, so sad. Yeah. Yeah. Artists, we are the bottom of the developers' totem poles. Absolutely, but yet and, and you, you can feel it. <laughs> well, well, but yet we're the ones that make a community vibrant、mm -hmm. enough that it's worthy for them to develop in. Yeah, and I mean they know this. They, you know these these people that we're talking about. They know how it works, so they want to give. Uh, opportunities to artists. You well, know, here, in, in like you all have the like percent for the arts. Anytime there's construction, that like one percent. Oh of the, yeah, the, I mean like, that, that's not really people don't do that. Really? Yeah. That's sad. I know it's really sad. I thought I th I, I look, sort of admired you all. I'm like you all do it right. <laughs> you all had this yeah, thing. Yeah, I think I think I mean the, the, there is supposed to go. You know, yeah, this one percent、uh, is supposed to go towards supposed to. Yeah, art, but I think it doesn't happen really as often as it should. You know, sad. Yeah, yeah. I was very idealistic and romantic and thinking that you all are like doing it right. <laughs> yeah, that, but that's what I mean. That it looks so shiny. I mean, I love living in Reykjavik and working in Iceland. You know, but there is this kind of lack of professionalism, I think, in a lot of fields here, and I think it's because we're small. We don't really. I mean, as a kind of nation, we. Don't really know maybe how things should really work in the in the you know real world. <laughs> so it's so this of... is not the real world. I will have to say the one thing I noticed about Reykjavik in particular is is it's a、uh, a late awakening town.、Mm. Like、uh, nothing opens before. At the earliest, ten a.m. Like it seems、oh, like、no. seems like nobody gets to work maybe till like eleven. Like, yeah, you know, like it's a very late town. Like I mean, like I went out for tried to go out for coffee one morning at like six thirty, and like nothing yeah, is open. No, no chance. Even、I、coffee、mean. shops don't open until like eight <laughs> or nine. And I'm like, well, how are you supposed to get coffee before you go to work at nine? Six thirty. I mean. <laughs> 
I had just I had just gotten here. My flight had just landed. That's why I was six thirty. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but like, it's a very uh, surprisingly late. I expected it to be a bit more of an early city, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's a very late and an evening city. Very popular, very uh, active in the late afternoon, mm-hmm. early evenings more so than like what I would call like business hours, like you yeah. know, your sort of stereotypical nine to five. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the same. You know, it's this like it's a small nation. And I mean, if we have like this tourist industry that's booming now, but I mean, it wasn't 20 years ago. So I think we're still kind of like, if you would be walking around Reykjavik 20 years ago and like rush hour in the high street, you know, you would see maybe two people. You know, so it's not like I still I still see just like you two know. people. <laughs> no, you have a bit, you have a bit more now, but like, but it's like uh, I mean, it just would I don't think it just doesn't make sense that every everything should open when when every everyone else is at work. Like you know, most people are at work from nine to five. So just so who's going to go out for coffee I'm if there's not, no tourists? <laughs> I'm not really judging it. I'm just no, 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 surprised I'm just by it. Yeah, that's I, all. No, I'm, was... I'm just explaining. Like I think that's just what it is. I think we're still. I don't know, I'm not a business person, but I guess businesses have this habit of there's no need to open so early because who's going to come? Uh, it's fair. And I'll tell you, by the way, my it's my favorite thing in all of Iceland, I think, uh, as far as sort of like being a, a visitor, your breads. You all make mm. amazing bread. Oh, that's nice to hear. Love it. Specifically the sourdough bread. Mm, my mm-hmm. favorite. Love yeah. it. I'm sorry, I feel like I'm doing an ad for Iceland, <laughs> but like... Man, I still have to try the lobster. I hear is very good as we hear as well. I haven't done that yet, but the, the breads are so good. But anyways, <laughs> that's my plug for Iceland, Icelandic sourdough bread. Yeah, nice. Um, but uh, any last little bits you want to sort of touch on? Some sort of maybe uh, stories of some advice, some ideas of for the next generation about like things they can do, not do from your own experiences? I think try to figure out where you see yourself, you know, going, like, what is the goal, basically? Why do you want to be an artist? I guess, like... That is such a hard question. <laughs> I, I am mean, 48 I mean, just the, years old, and I don't know that I know the answer to that question. No, but I guess, I mean, also, like, you know, just not like, why do I want to be an artist, but kind of, how do you want to be an artist, you know? How are you happy to work? Like, like just how do you see yourself working your day to day okay yeah see i've never even thought like that okay but that brings up an interesting other question that i'd like to ask which is as an artist in a and i apologize for saying this but like in a small community Mm -hmm. you know because this is not a massive arts community per se Mm -hmm. when you think through your sort of your plans like you said you were just talking about like do you how do you do that do you have like short-term plans long-term plans like how do you do that for yourself because mm-hmm. like i have a way i do it mm-hmm. and i'll talk mm-hmm. about it later but like i want to hear how you do it yeah i guess you have to have kind of both short-term plans and, and then the long-term plans but like i said i'm so content <laughs> living and working in reykjavik you know so that's kind of like when i realized that you know that i kind of just wanted to make that kind of a priority like how am i gonna base my life in Reykjavik, being an artist, you know? I still don't know exactly how I'm gonna achieve that long term, but I know that's kind of, at the moment, that's that's kind of what I'm striving towards. So then, you know, in order to 
achieve that, then I have to have these kind of short term plans that are just gonna keep me going like month to month or year to year, you know, while I kind of try to make a sustainable career, I guess. There's a word you said that I love, which yeah. I, I've it's, it's a struggle for me, mm. which is content. Mm. Mm -hmm. My wife is Czech and she, they use the word humble. Okay. Which I believe is about equivalent uh, to what you're saying with content, which mm -hmm. is basically do as much as you need to do, but not necessarily too much more, like to be able to have the lifestyle you want or the happiness you want. You know, so in other words, yeah. like don't work, don't work seven days a week when you can work five days a week and take two days off and be happier mm -hmm. with the time versus the money or whatever kind of like balance this all equates to. What what equates to being content? as an artist in Iceland? Um, I for mean, you, I for guess, me, yeah, I mean, for me, you know, I've always known that I, I don't really want to be a part of this nine to five kind of working environment, you know, and I guess that's kind of, I guess a lot, why a lot of people get into arts. It's an opportunity to have a different lifestyle and it's an opportunity to build your lifestyle how you want to build it, you know? And then there's always this like, okay, but I have to make a living somehow, you know? But like, and that's the trickiest part, I guess. You have to have some kind of uh, money coming in. It um, is the trick. I got into the <laughs> arts because I didn't want to worry about business, but yeah. then I've learned that the arts is a business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they and fooled it, me in that one when I was young. Yeah, but then you become a little bit wiser and you realize like, okay, I have to somehow, you know, think about the business side of things, you know. Well, but, if you, you know, want to continue to do it, you're going to yeah, have to, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, for me, this just freedom of, you know, of working independently, not having to kind of show up these hours that you just work away, that's what I think you know, drives me to make it happen. You know, I want to, I want to be able to do this. I don't want to have to kind of sacrifice this freedom. Agreed. Well, thank you very much. Well, thank you. <laughs>